0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Followers adopt the habits of the people they follow. Followers adopt the habits of leaders, and we want to adopt the habits of Jesus. Right? That, that's the premise of this series. That's the premise that we're going with. Now, last week, we started our series on the habits of Jesus by talking about how Jesus would go and pray alone. That was the first thing. Some of you heard that, and some of you heard me talking about video games, and decided to leave on my desk this week this book, God, I Need to Talk to You About Video Games. (laughs) Yep. So, I've read it. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) Yep. I hope you found the time this week to pray alone. I hope that's a habit that that you can establish. For some of you, it's been a habit your whole life, and and that's incredible. That's wonderful. Some of us really struggle with this. Uh, I know it's a habit I need to work on. I found myself at one point this week, just after having worked on this for a couple weeks just feeling the absence of it, uh, and found myself praying alone in Chick-fil-A in Kansas City, uh, which was random and and good, Uh, I believe this is a foundational habit upon which all the other habits that we're going to talk about are built. And so if you are not praying alone, be like Jesus. Pray alone. There you go. That's a summary from last week. You can also go back and listen, but, you know, if, if that's not you, here you go. This week's habit's going to sound weird. Uh, It it just is. It's going to sound funny. Uh, I was thinking through this a lot, and I just got to this place where I thought, I've never heard anybody preach about this. It seems so weird. Uh, So I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke again. Habit number two is that Jesus received hospitality. Yeah, Jesus received hospitality. That's the second habit. So turn over to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large number, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Jesus had just called Levi, he had walked by him and said, Hey, follow me, while Levi was collecting taxes. And in response, Levi gets up, leaves everything behind and follows him. And the very next scene is Levi's throwing a party for Jesus. That's where this passage is. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. It's a pretty basic verse, pretty basic idea. This guy named Simon, a Pharisee, asks Jesus to come to his house and eat with him, and Jesus says, okay, and he does it. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She sees Jesus, she invites him in, Jesus goes in. This is a Martha, this is a story uh, that becomes very uh, significant later on. Luke chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Ooh, that sets a stage for a fun story. He's eating a meal in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and they're trying to catch him. Luke chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed welcomed him gladly. In all of those passages, Jesus received hospitality from someone, which again feels like a weird habit, right? He received hospitality. So habit number two Jesus received hospitality. Now, you hear those passages, you see those verses, often those are the type of verses we just skim right past. So I need to offer a very important disclaimer. One, you should all be reading your Bibles, so if you're not doing that, you should. That's that's a good habit. But here's the important disclaimer. The main point of none of those passages is that Jesus received hospitality, If you read the rest of those stories, if the one takeaway you had is Jesus received hospitality, you missed it all. You missed the entire story, if that's what you come away with. But over and over again, we see Jesus in someone's home. Jesus receiving meals from people. Jesus having just this opportunity to be in the midst of people in this very particular way. So, Jesus had this habit of receiving hospitality from people, and we should adopt it too. Again, I get it. Sounds a little weird. And doesn't it seem so passive? We should receive hospitality. Receive hospitality. We got up here two years ago and preached a long series right about the time of Thanksgiving saying, hey, we should be hospitable. We can get on board with that. Give me something to do. Be hospitable. No, Jesus received hospitality. Seems so passive. As I was thinking about it, it sounded ridiculous to me, and I was like, are you really going to get up and preach a sermon about this? I was questioning myself. And not only that, I was thinking, what's the difference between us and Jesus? Some pretty significant differences. For one, Jesus was a traveling celebrity. He was walking around all of Galilee, and people said, hey, I know who you are, come to my house. I can walk around Woodbury all I want, and I guarantee you, nobody's going to invite me in their house. (laughs) It's not going to happen. That's not the culture we live in, and I'm not a celebrity. And I like all of you people. I really do. You people are great. I think you'd probably have the same experience. You walk around your town, you walk around your area, it's not likely that somebody's going to say, hey, you look like a celebrity. Come to my house. It's not who we are. On top of that, In their culture, there was this cultural norm of welcoming strangers. People built on rooms for strangers. Like, we fill our rooms with junk. They made rooms so that people could show up and stay, and they didn't ask a lot of questions. One of the passages I didn't point to was in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus and his apostles are recognizing, hey, it's about to be Passover, what are we going to do? Jesus says, go to this town, follow a guy that has a jar of water, follow him to his house and say, hey, we need a room. And he's going to say, sure, take the upstairs. We don't have that. We have stranger danger, right? They didn't have it. That wasn't part of their culture. So there's this big gap between who we are and who they were, between who we are and who Jesus is. So how would we go about appropriating a practice of receiving hospitality? How would we make that a practice? Well, the reality is many of us do this well already. And that seems like a cop-out, but it's true. We receive tons of hospitality in this church. We give and receive hospitality in this church really, really well. We have 10 disciple groups, which means that 10 to 15 of you are hosting people in your home just about every week. That is the definition of hospitality, opening up your home so that other people can come and use it. Opening up your space so that other people can come and participate. On top of that, many of you are preparing meals for each other, and it's awesome. I was thinking about all the stories of taking people in in this church. You know, I I was thinking about the Maynards with half of the people that have come here from Harding, right? (laughs) It's like, how do we get people from Harding up to Minnesota? They move in with the Maynards. It's perfect. It's a great strategy, (laughs) and it's worked. Welcome. Welcome. When we moved here, we moved in with the Thompsons. They didn't know us. They didn't have any idea who we were. They said, sure, why not? Micah. Right? Little kid. It's <laughs> Awesome. Spotos have posted people in their homes several times that we're aware of. The, the Hollies have had people living in their basement over and over again. Many of you are very, very good at being hospitable. And that's awesome. I think about some of the social gatherings and the meals that just happen because we like each other here, right? Like New Year's Eve parties are going to happen. People are going to get together and say, hey, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be together. Any football game seems like an opportunity for people to get together, no matter what team you're affiliated with. Think about board game nights. You think about middler and littler events where we invite little kids into our home. We do really well at giving and receiving hospitality within this church. Here's my question. What about receiving hospitality from people outside our church? This is where I was feeling the tension. This is where I was feeling the rub. I think we have some concerns about that. Concerns about being with people who are a little different than us who don't share all the same values we have, who don't think the same way that we do, who don't have the same baggage we do, if we're being honest. And I think we have four concerns that hold us back from receiving hospitality from people. The first one, and I think this is the big one, is influence. We're not afraid that we're going to influence them, we're afraid they're going to influence us, right? You know that feeling of going somewhere and, you, you know, they have a reputation. You know, what if, what if they don't pray before a meal? What if they say some words that we don't want Micah to hear? What if they watch something on TV that we find offensive? What if they have a Confederate flag in their house? <laughs> I, I know we laugh about these things, but we are afraid of the influence that people will have on us. I think that's real. They could mess with our faith. They could destroy our faith. They could lead us astray. That influence piece is really important, and I would encourage you, if that's something holding you back, we should pray about it. Again, building on last week. Second thing, another concern that could hold us back is opportunity. Opportunity. Maybe you are the type of person, and I can be this type of person from time to time, who doesn't get a lot of invites. Maybe the reason we're not receiving hospitality is because nobody invited us. Got two pieces of advice, and this is from somebody from Texas living in Minnesota. So here's the first piece of advice. Become visible. Because for the last six months, I haven't seen anybody outside. Everybody, we have this neighbor across the street, like him a lot, really nice guy, his name's Scott. See, I met a neighbor, we're doing good, (laughs) progress. Scott drives a pickup truck and he parks it in his driveway every day. He doesn't park in his garage, he parks in his driveway and I see him get out of the car, open the garage, shut the garage and I don't see him again, at all. And I don't think that's unique to Scott. I do the same thing, and sometimes I park in my garage. We need to become visible. If you're going to be invited into somebody's house, they need to see you. So just a fair piece of advice there, free piece of advice. The second thing is that some of us are going to need to initiate it. Uh, I've been invited to our neighborhood block party twice, and we've declined both times. (laughs) And now we're not getting invited. (laughs) We kind of burned a bridge. It's time to start initiating. Say, hey, why don't you come to our place? And hopefully it's reciprocated at some point. Again, I think one of the solutions to this concern holding us back is praying about it. Third concern that some of us have is competency. Now, I know that one sounds a little strange. I've got two stories I want to share with you, and they happened on the very same day. I was taking a course at Abilene Christian on world religions. Right, So it was a world religions course. I was fascinated. We had done all the study work. We had done all, the, all that stuff. But we had this project where we had to go over to Dallas because Abilene doesn't have a lot of other religions in their group. So we had to drive over to Dallas individually and meet with a rabbi and go to the Sikh worship place, the Sikh worship service. So I go and I, I have this appointment with a rabbi at about 11 a.m. And I go in there, and I sit down on my chair. and I'm about to ask questions, and I'm trying to get comfortable. And I do this. This is a Middle Eastern rabbi. It's a guy who hasn't been here long. And he's talking to me back and forth. And eventually, he stops. I mean, that's a weird place to end the conversation. What's going on? He said, sir. I know you mean nothing by this, but in my culture, it's very offensive to show someone the bottom of your foot. (laughs) Right. I was incompetent. (laughs) I did not know that. And I think we have that fear sometimes. Later that day, I go to the Sikh worship service, and they have a room similar to this one, except they don't have chairs. The men sit on one side, the women sit on the other. And so I go, and I'm told to sit here, and I sit down, and I'm sitting there, kind of what Micah would call crisscross applesauce, right? My back uh, is fine, but I'm lazy, and so I'm leaning forward a little bit, and my shirt's just a little bit shorter than I would have liked. And certainly a little bit shorter than the people behind me liked. And so a guy walks up to me, taps me on the shoulder says, Hey, sir, can you come sit by the wall? (laughs) Last week, we had these new neighbors move in, and it's a Hmong family. They're lovely people. But I have this fear of going over to their house and talking to them that I'm not going to know what to say That I'm not, that I'm going to do something that accidentally offends them. You know, moving from Texas to Minnesota, taking off your shoes when you enter a house? Who knew? (laughs) We never did that. There's too much dirt on the floor in Texas to (laughs) take your shoes off. But that's, that's different. I think there's a competency piece that some of us struggle with, that we want to make sure that if we're going into a situation, we know what to do we're going to receive hospitality, maybe we need to figure out how to do that well. The fourth one, in my opinion, is a little bit of a cop-out, but it's one I've used, so I, I acknowledge that. The fourth one is personality. Fourth concern that holds us back from receiving hospitality is our personality. I walk into a room, and I am very confident to assert, I am an introvert, you do not have to talk to me. We use labels like that as a crutch. I use labels like that as a crutch. We need to pray about that. Do not let your personalities hold you back from receiving hospitality. So those are four concerns that we bring with us when we talk about receiving hospitality. When OK, so we've got these concerns. We pray about it. We work through those things. OK, let's go receive hospitality. But I, I do want to make the case why. I think there's a good reason why we should. So why receive hospitality? And reason number one is to let go of control. There is something deeply biblical about this. Jesus, in in all those stories you look at, if you look at Jesus, he never asserts himself as the one that should get to make all the choices here. He's usually sitting back and letting things happen. We have this tendency within our world to need control. I need control. This past Monday, we were having our disciple group, and I love our disciple group, it's wonderful, but occasionally we have a meal, and I have this problem. I hate tomatoes. I just hate them. I don't know why God would make them. I don't understand why you people like them so much. We are having meatball subs. And I saw how much Micah and Lindsay loved them. But I hate them.
1: I really do.
0: I really do. And and that's a little bit confessional. I recognize it. But when I have the disciple group at my house, who gets to make that call? I need to let go of control sometimes. I do. I get to control things like the temperature of the house. I know we like that. I know we like having our space that's just our space, and you're welcome to come into my space, but remember, it's my space. This is a different challenge for us. Think about kids. You know, in certain spaces, the kids are over here. We get the kids out of the way. And in certain places, the kids are part of it. I like to make that call. One of the reasons we need to learn to receive hospitality is so that we can learn to let go of control. God is in control. I'm not. We need to learn to become followers before we ever assert that we need to be leaders. And that's hard. Second reason why we should receive hospitality is that it allows someone else to serve, right? This is Richard Foster in a book called Celebration of Discipline, talks about the, the idea of hospitality. And one of his things is that if you are busy always being hospitable, you are not allowing someone else the opportunity to develop that skill. And I think our church is really good, again, about being hospitable. I think some of us struggle with receiving that. And we need to get out of the way of people serving, of people being able to be like Jesus. The third reason is the one that I think is most important. The third reason is this. There is an evangelistic opportunity always. We need to never forget that God goes before us. That God has been active in people's lives long before we ever were. I know with the elders, we talk about certain people from time to time who we need to reach out to, who we need to have these conversations with, who we need to bring and draw to Jesus. God has been active in their lives long before we ever were. We need to remember that. This kind of reminds me of a a friend of mine. He's a hopeless romantic. Hopeless romantic. He loves the idea of love a lot. He has been talking about dating for a long time and he has also been single for a long time. He wants to find the perfect girl and date her and woo her and love her and marry her. But he spends all, and I mean all of his time with married friends. He is never around people who are dateable. He talks all the time about wanting what his friends have, and yet he never puts himself in a situation to have that. This past year, we talked about developing disciples. We talked about how disciples share their faith by sharing their lives how the impulse to go and reach the world for Jesus needs to be found deep in our bones. It's part of who we are as disciples. And yet sometimes we stay amongst ourselves. We need to recognize the opportunity to develop disciples. Disciples share their faith by sharing their lives. And so for me... That probably means I need to go introduce myself to my new among neighbors. That probably means that when the invitations for the neighborhood block party come out, that I RSVP and say, I'll be there. That probably means when Micah gets these invitations to birthday parties from Peace of Mind, his education center, or whatever, uh, that we need to stop saying no and maybe get to know some people. Probably means when Lindsay's friends from work invite us over to their house for dinner, that I become open to that. Jesus had this habit of receiving hospitality from people as an invitation to share his faith with people, to share his life with people. Jesus receiving hospitality is not the point, it is the setting. And he had this habit of finding himself in this situation over and over again. Maybe we should develop that habit as well. So the challenge for this week is this. Someone invites you for coffee, say yes. Someone asks you over for dinner, say yes. Be praying about opportunities for Jesus to lead us in this way. Let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who guides us, who shows us what it is to be your child. God, we want to be his disciples, and we know that to be his disciples, we need to adopt his habits, to become more and more like him. God, that is our goal. We ask that you continue to transform us. God, we ask for opportunities Uh, We ask for competency, God, and we, we just ask that you be with us and move us as you would have us to do. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you all. You're dismissed.